Hello, and welcome to Ditch Finvox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiazio. If you enjoy the program, like, share, subscribe, bada bing, bada boom. My guest today is George Kesselman, founder and president of InsurTech Asia Association, a community to support the insurtech industry in the region. We spoke about digital bank assurance, the way that changes the relationship between insurers and banks, what that means in terms of product, tech, data, and how that's reaching the final policyholder. George Kesselman from InsurTech Asia, welcome to DigFinVox. Thanks, James. Real pleasure to be here. So we're going to talk today about uh, the digitalization of bank assurance in the region. Uh, your group recently put out a paper looking at this. Um, I'd say, obviously, you know, taking a, a bullish point of view on uh, the potential, the pace, and the outcomes of of digitizing the whole bank assurance uh, relationships between the banks, insurers, and I guess ultimately the policyholders. So yeah, that's what right. I want to, yeah. Sorry. So what what I really you know I want to talk about some of your findings and some of the real life use cases, what's happening, and some of the potential as well as some of the challenges. So let me um, let me start off on the uh, I guess the skeptical note. So in 2019, um, I guess right before we the world got into COVID. Uh, McKinsey had a study looking at bank assurance worldwide and found that only 2% of policies were being sold digitally. So very small number. Um, has that changed? I think there's a big change that, that has happened through COVID. Um, and the big part of it was, the, I guess, the trend that was already going on in terms of digitalization of the core banking assets. Um, and on the back of that, uh, the insurance was kind of a natural one of the products that that got uh, digitized. Um, and uh, the other thing that has changed, I think, is the consumer willingness to interact digitally with financial services products. So that kind of a whole education process and an experimentation on the back of it, I think that accelerated definitely the big pieces of that. Um, and we kind of see the confluence of a couple of different forces. Of course, when we talk about digital bank assurance, the first inclination is to look at it as only constrained to digital banks. Mm -hmm. uh, so this kind of like a first digital banking first experience. Uh, but actually what we're seeing is that it, it's really happening all, all across. So it's not just the digital banks. Uh, that are really uh, tackling this and growing this, uh, but it's also the traditional banks that had the bank assurance relationships that are rapidly closing their branches and they're embracing the digital bank assurance and, and are having good success on the back of it. This is applied to products across the board. Uh, is it including the more complex uh, life and annuity type products as well? So. Of course, there's a nuance uh, when it comes to the product spectrum. Uh, so when we talk about the pure digital end-to-end -end experience, I, I think it has worked well with the simpler products. Mm -hmm. uh, and the spectrum of the products is growing, but it's still relatively simple, kind of easy to transact products. So what, what has happened is that uh, there's been a realization about how to blend the digital and offline and kind of back to the digital experiences in a much better way than it was probably 
four or five years ago, or even what is called pre-COVID, uh, where we kind of thought about world as a fairly binary world, like is either physical or digital. Uh, and there is very little overlap between the two, where right now I think the two have come very close together. And to your point about the kind of a more complex annuity type of products, what typically ends uh, uh, starting to happen and, and is uh, getting good traction is that this products, the journey might start within within the digital bank uh, and uh, it might come in as an assisted sale and might end up within the, that environment or might come as a kind of an augmented experience where the customer ends up chatting with the, with the person that helps them through the process and some of the complexities that are inherent in those products. What's the way that this might change the way that insurance gets sold because i often hear people in the industry will say insurance is uh is never bought it's always sold right you've got to be pushing some sort of product has been kind of the way it's worked um, and that applies to bank insurance as well as agencies so does this change that equation or is it still uh insurance products must be uh sold they're not bought but they just use different tools to make that happen that is a good question and i think that is changing um, and big part of that is uh, the smart use of data mm -hmm. so yes in the bank typically the data kind of again was very siloed for for insurance and the only data point that used to happen in the bank assurance was when a teller looks at the window of uh, you know their their screen and the customer has a hundred thousand in a bank account and they mm -hmm. say hey maybe you should talk to our rem because you have some money in your bank account sitting idle, so as that is starting to kind of that silo is starting to break down in the digital world and the data is starting to be used more actively, uh, I think this is where the products are becoming a lot more relevant. Uh, to to the consumers, and, and I think that's the inherent challenge for the insurance is that we kind of used to have a very kind of box set of products that weren't necessarily always a good fit to the life stages to the of the customer and their particular needs. So that's kind of where, where the push uh, ended up happening a lot more than it should have. Uh, where actually we have now a flexibility to create those kind of a micro targeted products that are very relevant to the consumer's life stage. So when mm -hmm. somebody had a family, for example, they, they they typically start to think about this kind of a protection a lot more um, and, and kind of planning around that, where somebody who is younger might be a, a lot more inclined just to say like, okay, as long as some basic health needs are covered, um, generally I, I don't need to worry about all this kind of other liabilities. So. It is changing. I don't think it's changed yet to a degree where we can say categorically like it, the problem has been solved. Uh, the insurance is, is a product that's highly uh, relevant to all the consumers that are buying it in the digital banks or traditional banks. But that journey, I think, has begun and, and, and it's accelerating as well. What's the way that banks get the data? You mentioned that usually uh, it's somebody in a branch, but when you're interfacing with whether it's a teller or the relationship manager slash advisor, uh, there can be quite a lot of information that gets exchanged uh, online, less so. And as branches get cut, fewer opportunities to get that kind of deep dive into that kind of data that you might need to personalize or hyper-personalize an offer of any kind. So how are banks getting the data that they can use to make a to make that personal touch and make that you know real strategic uh, you know, that very viable offer. So 
In fact, I think their argument is the slightly different and almost like opposite to what you said. Mm -hmm. When the banks dealing with you digitally, they get a tremendous amount of data. Uh, and you know, there's questions obviously about kind of a privacy and then the boundaries around that. But typically what, what I've seen uh, in, in experience of talking to some of these platforms, the examples like they would, as part of the underwriting for a loan or, or for kind of a new products, they might take data around your phone and kind of how you're interacting with your phone and some of the some of the data points that are present there that help them to create a, a more uh, comprehensive view, especially in the, in the markets where there's probably a slightly limited, uh, more, more limited credit histories and, and things around that. So in, in fact, the data, the metadata is being utilized more by this kind of a frontier uh, banks and even the, the kind of traditional banks that are going digital, they're looking at different data sources and kind of aggregating it around to form some of those, close some of those gaps and, and kind of build a more comprehensive picture of, of the person. Uh, if you think about it, last time, again, in the traditional bank, everything lived in the silos, credit cards was a different department from loans and from the traditional banking. So when the teller looked at it, they just saw a balance in their bank account, but they didn't see all the other stuff that's happening. With now, with the use of AI and with the kind of the tools that are being introduced in the banks, I think that's kind of bringing those data together. But, and what's interesting is that banks are obviously very sensitive about this data and kind of passing it to, to third parties like insurers. So now some of the experiments that are being done in this area is that uh, the insurer would kind of give the model of how they would underwrite. And then based on that model, the bank would then filter out the relevant customers uh, so that the data doesn't travel outside of the boundaries of, of uh, the bank. And obviously the privacy is maintained at that, that sense. So, so the, the insurer- bank the bank then is, ends up selecting which customers it thinks would be most appropriate for an insurance pitch. Absolutely. So in that sense, bank and insurer together pre-selected. So that has very, very positive uh, outcomes because in the traditional sense of word, the insurers would typically say, I, uh, this person is coming in, so I'm going to put everybody through the same underwriting process, depend, you know, whether they're 25 or, or 65, and therefore you end up introducing a lot of uh, burden and overhead, where now the direction is that uh, I, I, if I only offer this to people in the 25 to 35 uh, age group, for example, that uh, we, we know that maybe just had recently had some uh, uh, life event, we can probably simplify the right underwriting and then offer them maybe a two questions instead of 10, 15 questions that used to happen before. So that's a direction that improves customer experience, obviously increases the conversion much, much higher as well, because if you ask, you know, with every single question that you ask, the drop-off increases as we know. Uh, yeah. But that's kind of where the insurers and banks are moving in that direction. What's the driver from the bank's perspective? Um, are they doing this because they're trying to grow their insurance sales or are they doing it to just to make their RMs more efficient? Um, I, I, my understanding is that in many cases, the insurance product is sort of like the, the poor cousin to lending and other and brokerage and so on. So, so what's, you know, what's driving it from the banker's perspective? So from the bank's perspective, I think they now realize uh, full potential that insurance can bring in. Uh, and what is also happening is that 
on a lot of the other products, there's a, a tremendous pressure on the margins. Uh, so therefore, kind of the, the poor cousin that was before now is actually it ends up uh, being one of the more profitable areas for for the bank. And they also kind of realizing that uh, where used to be like a kind of a, a one shot product or something that's like either investment or, or travel insurance. So like very, very niche type of propositions actually ends up being quite a comprehensive suite of products that can be introduced uh, through the through this kind of like insurance propositions. Right. So I think this is the evolution that's that's progressing. And obviously we kind of seen examples of that from, from different directions. So we've seen an example of that like Revolut basically on the uh, e-wallet side uh, trying to introduce travel insurance, which kind of with the small tweaks actually end up being quite a kind of well-received products. And then the, some of the life propositions, health propositions that are all being experimented and, uh, all across the world, basically, um, and are getting good traction. Uh, I think obviously kind of where you talk about the RMs, uh, this is where you still look at more of a uh, higher end products. And, and th there's still a lot of uh, thinking and kind of a catering to how, to, how do we best uh, provide that you know, value that is justified by by having this uh, experts come in into the conversation and kind of all the margins that need to be satisfied as a result. So th there is kind of a, I would say, again, kind of bifurcation of simple products probably used as a, a little bit of a door opener, warm up, something that can be done fully digital. And from there, then kind of the, the high end proposition starts to be introduced through the use of RMs. With that product question, insurers trying to do their own digitization, uh, not talking about the, the virtual ones and the startups, but rather the incumbents that are trying to, to be better online. Uh, they have struggled sometimes because they're just taking the same old product and just trying to make it online rather than rethinking what works in a digital environment. If you've got banks now that are trying to be, uh, to, to you know get more out of these relationships, um, are you seeing that kind of product rethink now coming back to the insurers from the banks? Or is it still really about the insurers themselves trying to figure out what's the best product to sell in a digital format? I think it's a combination of, of both. I think it also depends on the dynamics on those relationships. It, it feels like there is a small subset of insurers that kind of got their act together. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it also, in some ways, I think it, it kind of depends whether this is a pure digital, uh, a pure general insurer or, or life insurer, or sometimes you have this insurers that can uh, offer both products, which is called like a composite uh, insurer, both life insurance and general insurance. So your product product suite becomes wider, um, and uh, your kind of a, a ability to to create these products also also increases. So we've seen some really interesting examples, like the, the one that we quoted in the paper is uh, Agias. Uh, so they're kind of uh, one of the big bank assurance uh, uh, insurers. So I think they naturally, they kind of are getting pulled into offering a more comprehensive suite of products. And also uh, I think not those static products, but something that can be experimented and can be adjusted on as well. Uh, I think that's kind of where the direction of travel again and kind of where, where things are going is that uh, you, you can start with a single product, but uh, the banks and, and, the, and the digital platforms are all requesting that uh, that product market fit requires much more experimentation that used to happen before. 
So even if you kind of nail the first proposition, you still need to make a lot of adjustments along the way to make sure that uh, the, the product actually is a very good fit to particular segments. Where's the burden of the, the technology stack, making sure that the systems are working uh, at cutting edge levels to make this happen? Does Because insurers have traditionally been a few years behind the banks when it comes to digitization in general. So is this forcing insurers to catch up or is it really more the bank's platforms that need to be able to, to manage insurance better? That's another good question. I think the short answer to that is that the insurers real, they, they, they does realize that uh, most of them are kind of uh, lagging and their legacy is one of the big constraints. So what we've seen is that uh, the, the process of this transformation from you know standstill to having a, a system that are fit for purpose at you know comprehensive it, it is like a, a multi-year journey so a lot of the a lot of the insurers uh, are, are accelerating it by saying like let's add the middle middleware middle office kind of propositions that sit a lot of times on top of the existing legacy which in, in basically becomes a system of records it, it obviously has its own limitations uh, but what we've seen is that there is a bigger push towards that direction of augmenting the existing systems without kind of going through the pain of full uh, full replacement, which is a very, very painful and very long process. And by the time that they've done uh, those replacements, usually it's they, they really kind of start behind on the day one. Your report had uh, mentioned Coinworks in Indonesia uh, that is bundling insurance products with, with loans and mortgages and things like that. How well is that going? And are those kind of banking products suitable for insurance tie-ups or are we seeing other types of financial products being bundled together with insurance? So those are actually, turns out to be a good fit to the products. And then SME has always been this holy grail of insurance where all the insurers are very interested in it, but at the same time, they couldn't really find the scalable proposition to, to enter in that segment. So Indonesia, very interestingly, they have uh, a few of this uh, SME-focused uh, banks or neobanks or fintechs uh, that are all kind of addressing it from different sides. Uh, Coinworks is one of the one of the bigger platforms there. I think they did their uh, growth stage funding uh, recently, and then they continue to grow very very rapidly. So what they realize is that actually the insurance is a, a very good add-on proposition because it is uh, sought after by the uh, by the SMEs that are, are taking out the loans from them. And at the same time, it kind of reduces some of the risk for the platform as well, because SMEs a lot of times is, is kind of tied to the to the founder or to the to the kind of key person running it. Um, and if anything happens to that person, that actually impairs the ability to repay the loan. So it's a very, very natural fit uh, that uh, they kind of realize that exists. Um, and, and that's kind of where they went around looking for the insurer that uh, could uh, deliver on that proposition. And they, I think they found that the insurers were generally quite quite responsive to it, which is which was different from when I, when I talked to them, they said that their, their previous one, previous conversations were pre-COVID um, and uh, there was, I think a lot of inertia that they found in the insurance world that they weren't they weren't very uh, eager to work with the uh, with these platforms. Uh, obviously, it helped that CoinWorks I think grew like more than ten times since those conversations. 
Uh, but I think overall, kind of, there's a bit of a convergence of forces where these platforms have reached a critical mass, and the insurers, I think, kind of realize that this, uh, if they don't play in this area, uh, they're going to be left behind. When it comes to data, moving data around, co cooperation between the banks and insurers, is digitalization changing, I guess, the roles and responsibilities for the governance of that data? Like what I said earlier, I think the data is very critical and the, the privacy associated with it, obviously, for financial services is, is one of the key aspects of this bank assurance. So generally, the date, the most of the kind of the auxiliary data, I would say, still stays with the banks and they're very careful about the ownership of the data. So the data that travels to the insurers uh, is something that's required for the underwriting, but usually it's kind of, uh, I would say, the bare necessity data. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the insurers still aren't able to, you know, the, there's still that wall between them and the policyholders, whether they like that or not. I think that is in a way a natural state because mm -hmm. all these digital platforms in the banks, I think they realized where the, the real value of all this is is kind of accumulating this data. And yeah. they they want to still continue maintaining that that ownership of data and the customers where the insurers come in and they they you know they they, they get receive the window basically to access these customers. But I still I think that the ecosystem of, of financial services is still going to be concentrated with the banks in this case. Yeah, because this leads into the, the other thing I would ask, which was sort of that balance of power if digitization changes that at all. I think most bank assurance agreements, the bank is usually the, the more powerful, the more senior partner. Uh, they're getting paid a lot of money uh, by the insurer to have access to their distribution network. Uh, but we saw with, uh, did a piece uh, on uh, Jong-An and Generali. Uh, Jong-An is a virtual bank, uh, but in this case, um, you know, Generali is probably the more senior partner because they're an established uh, player and, you know, we're talking we're, versus a three to four year old virtual bank that's still just trying to get into the game, um, making a lot of moves, but, you know, still early. So are you seeing that, that shift of power, is that just limited to these sorts of niche examples or are there things that insurance companies can do to try to leverage this to have more control over their own destinies or get better uh, pricing relationships with the banks? You know, is it shifting the, the ground at all? I think it's, it's gradually starting to shift uh, and it becomes much more of a partnership where before it felt like the banks were just coming in with a menu of, of uh, insurance that they needed from the insurer and say, okay, we need the investment product and the, we, we want this kind of returns on the investment product. Um, and it was, I guess it were fairly commoditized products uh, and it was more or less copy and paste all, all across the banks. Where now I think it's becoming a lot more dynamic um, and uh, it requires that both partners are fairly active in that relationship. So, the shift, I think it's more of a rebalancing, I would say, because I, I agree with you. I think the previous kind of, if you look three, four years back, it used to be basically the bank is the majority uh, owner and the kind of all the power is concentrated, 90% of the power is concentrated with them. And then there's a little bit of power with the, with the insurer uh, partner. I think it now is probably becoming a little bit a little bit more balanced, like a 60-40. Still the bank, I would say it's a, it's a dominant uh, engine of this partnerships because naturally they have the distribution and they have the the consumers uh with them but i think it becomes a little bit a little bit more balanced in that sense that the insurer 
uh, does play a bigger role in providing the products. Uh, what we've seen is that in some cases, even the insurers provide the technology uh, that uh, that kind of acts as that uh, additional additional uh, pillar of its uh, bank insurance relationships. Within the insurance community, does digitization of bank insurance provide an opening for second tiers or smaller or newer players? That is, I think, a very uh, important question that a lot of people are trying to answer as well. Uh, it, it feels like there is an opening, but very interestingly, I think that opportunity for the, the window of opportunity for that uh, opening is very small because what I'm seeing is that the big giants actually are kind of getting the wind of it um, and are, are, are racing towards uh, accessing those new opportunities and, and maximizing the value of them. So I think if, if we kind of see that the big guys will get their act together because they have the resources, they have a big uh, and deep experience already in those. Uh, Typically, what will happen is that, let's say if it's a, a, an opportunity for an Indonesian platform in Indonesia, maybe there is a, a kind of a, a let's say, a, a, a local insurer that can come in and provide uh, mm -hmm. a solution for it. But uh, equally, if we see that some of these fintech platforms and the, and the banks that have a regional footprint, usually, you know, the niche uh, insurance players will struggle to provide uh, that uh, breadth of coverage across different countries. And then it wouldn't make sense for them, for example, to say, I only work with you in Indonesia and you have, a, you have to find somebody else as a partner in, in Malaysia or, or if you work in Singapore. Yeah. And George, what do you see as the role potentially for insurtechs as more bank assurance goes digital? Is, is there a role for insurtechs to uh, feed into this change somehow? I feel like the, the insurtechs uh, will have a little bit of a challenge together with it. And I think this is where we're seeing that some of the insurtechs are starting to move more towards the full stack approach. So what they realize is that the control of the product is by itself very, very important. Um, and of course, we have uh, some of the insurtechs that are very much a technology play. And I think this is where they can probably scale this much, much faster. Uh, the likes of uh, Insurmo or, or, or others who provide that kind of the technology la uh, layer to enable uh, enable this kind of a digital uh, bank assurance place. Uh, but the ones that are specifically focused on like a distribution that we've seen uh, other examples around the region, they will find it very, very challenging because they're going to be stuck between kind of a rock and a hard place to two very powerful partners. Uh, and and kind of the opportunity for them to to play a role with it, I think, is a little bit shrinking. Great. Uh, last question: Any markets in this region where you see digital bank assurance deals happening fastest? Digital bank assurance fastest. Uh, I think Hong Kong was definitely one that uh, kind of what you said. Uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, progress there. Mm -hmm. uh, ZA Bank was one. I think one of the first few. Uh, that that has happened, but I, I, I'm aware of there's a, a few others that are happening on the back of that. Uh, Indonesia, I think we'll see a lot more action as well. Um, and then the other markets like India, I think there's a tremendous uh, momentum that's happening in the insurance and banking space as well. So I think we'll kind of see that the forces converge uh, from all the different directions. And are there any markets where this is not happening or there are barriers? I don't think that there is a particular barriers uh, 
of course, I think if you look at the markets like Japan, I think there's just a lot more complexity uh, and, and uh, that naturally will slow down some of the partnerships uh, and because the scale is much, much larger. Uh, but I think in all, pretty much all the other markets, I think that there is a kind of a natural push towards, towards these partnerships. And I kind of, as I said, I think the digital bank assurance is one aspect of it. And I think there is a big opportunity. We just recently started looking at the numbers around it with one of the big consulting firms, and they kind of have a fairly big estimate on the back of that. But I think that overall bank assurance pie is going to continue growing. It's not just purely digital plays, but it's all kind of transforming this existing uh, state of bank assurance that that is going to have a big impact. Great. George, thanks for your time. Uh, anything you want to tell us about what to expect from InsurTech Asia this year? So the InsurTech Asia is continuing, a continuing initiatives that we're driving. Uh, we, we just had a very successful partnership with uh, ITC and we had the big uh, event in Singapore that has gone uh, really, really well. So it feels like there is a lot of momentum and a lot of kind of uh, acceleration that's happening in the, in the insurtech segment uh, in Asia. So we, we're very pleased to see that there's uh, startups that are popping up uh, again, kind of everywhere. And of course, there's a, there's a challenge with the funding environment. I think that we're all aware. Uh, so we, we're, we're seeing basically a little bit of a kind of a structural transformation of the, of the insurtech. But at the same time, I think there's again, a, a lot of momentum that, that is happening in the segment. So we, we are very, very positive about uh, the momentum of the insurtech in, in the region. Great. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing your insights into digital bank assurance. All right. Thank you. That's been fun.